But good to see all of you here today, and I hope that the moms in here have already been made to feel like the queens that you are. If not, the day is still young. So the guys in your life, I hope, will step up if they haven't already and made you feel extra special today. But moms, we do appreciate all that you do, and so many of those things go under the radar, and we know that. And I know some of you as grandparents, you are enjoying seeing that next generation. And some of you great-grandparents are seeing the next next generation behind you. And what a blessing you all are in the legacy of faith that you leave. And the, the, really the, the theme today is it's never too late to be a blessing. Because sometimes in parenting or grandparenting or even great-grandparenting, we want everything in our children, our grandchildren, to be perfect now. The problem is you may not live long enough to see all of the greatness that will happen in the investment that you make in your family. And to help illustrate that and to give you some great perspective and hope for the future, if you would, take your Bibles and turn to Hebrews chapter 11. That New Testament book teaches us many, many lessons about the family. And in particular today, on Mother's Day, I want us to see that we need the patience that it takes to learn that the investment that is made in a family sometimes needs time to grow. And the title of the sermon series over the next several weeks from Mother's Day all the way through Father's Day is Recharge Your Family. And some of our families, you may feel like you are running on fumes some of you may feel like you've got a few good things going but you just need that shot in the arm and some of you may just be on a spiritual high right now the good thing is no matter where you are you can always plug in and recharge to the word of god and ask the holy spirit of god to just lift your family to lead you on and to do great things in your life in now and in the future and that's the perspective that we see in the book of Hebrews. In chapter 11, we see in this great hall of faith that we call it, this great long description of all these wonderful people, mixed into this great chapter, we have the parents of Moses. Moses' parents understood very well what it took to raise a family. Now, just a few years ago, a young lady had her 16th child, was looking forward to 17th, and then she had 18, and then she had 19, and I think she's done now. They had a reality TV show, and it was always whatever and counting. Well, I think they finally stopped counting. Michelle Duggar is her name, and she started having children in her early 20s, and she just continued to have them. Now, Pastor Aaron's not in here, but I think they are from Arkansas, so that kind of explains all we need to know, but... But she just kept having children. And what she said in an interview a few years ago was that she realized that though she felt like she was in her 20s up here, her body was no longer in its 20s. And she was really starting to feel the burden of not only raising all of these children, but even just giving birth to them. That just going through that experience of having that family and, and raising another child she just felt as though it was really starting to take a toll on her. In fact, one of the things that she said in an interview, she said that I know that here I am, a mama with her 17th child on the way, several years ago, and so many 
people think, oh, you've got it all figured out. She said, I'm still learning. Just when I think I have it figured out, I try it on the next one, and it doesn't work. Now, somebody needs to tell this lady she doesn't have to keep having children to find that out. Uh, it's the, there's an imperfect role model that we all have in raising children. In fact, we come from an imperfect role model. Your own mother did the very best that she could. But all of us as parents are imperfect of what we hope to be, and we make mistakes, and we say things we shouldn't say, and we, we fail our children from time to time. Though we spend many hours praying and many hours crying and many hours talking, we try to do the very best that we can. But it takes time. It takes an investment, and it takes training. Now, training is not telling. Some of you parents have told your children what to do, and you turn your back, and what do you think that they're doing? Not what you told them to do. That's not training. Training is not just telling a child, because you're going to be disobeyed. Listen, I learned a long time ago, we brought Nathan home from the hospital, our firstborn. I knew I had a little center on my hands. I didn't have to train him to sin. He came out learning, knowing just fine how to, how to be deceptive and, you know, son, you've proven it. What can I say? But training is not telling because they're going to disobey, but training is also not just teaching. You know, a lot of times we teach our children what to do. We teach them how to behave. We teach them how to respond. And sometimes in our teaching, we say, as long as you live under my house, you're going to obey my rules. Well, that might work just fine as long as they're under the roof of your house, but what are they going to do when they leave your house? It's more than just telling. It's more than just teaching them. It is training them. It means that you tell them what they need to hear. You teach them to put it in their life, but then you train them to follow a model and an example that you set for them. And Moms, I've seen your job. I don't like it and I don't want it. It's a difficult job. But God has uniquely gifted you for the benefit of the family to train your children and grandparents and great-grandparents to continue fostering that training. And we see a great example of that in the life of Moses and his parents in Hebrews chapter 11. And so no matter where you are on that battery bar, whether you feel like you are full and completely energized or running on fumes, all of us can learn how to impact families, whether you have children or not, whether you have great-grandchildren or not. You'll learn how to impact families for the sake of the gospel, knowing that it takes time. Look at Hebrews chapter 11 if you will, beginning in verse 23. And if you're able to, would you stand as we read these verses together about the life of Moses and his parents? Beginning in verse 23 in Hebrews chapter 11, the Bible says, By faith Moses, when he was born, was hidden for three months by his parents because they saw that the child was beautiful and they were not afraid of the king's edict. By faith, Moses, when he was grown up, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to be mistreated with the people of God than to enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin. He considered the reproach of Christ greater wealth than the treasures of Egypt, for he was looking to the reward. 
And by faith he left Egypt, not being afraid of the danger of the king, for he endured as seeing him who is invisible. And by faith he kept the Passover and sprinkled the blood so that the destroyer of the firstborn might not touch them. Let's pray together. Our Heavenly Father, we are so thankful for positive role models and examples of faithfulness that we see not only in the pages of Scripture, but in our church family around us. God, I pray that today that you would recharge every family in this place. God, that you would, through the power of your word and the investment of your Holy Spirit in our hearts and lives, God, that you would change our heart, change our perspective, and re-energize our families today. And fathers, we continue to walk through these chapters in the book of Hebrews over the next several weeks, God, I pray that you would just continue to mold and shape families to be all that you desire for them to be for the sake of the Lord Jesus Christ. For it's in his name that we pray, amen. You may be seated. There are two lessons that we learn in this passage of Scripture today about training and learning to be patient knowing that it takes time. How can we begin this training process and what does it look like to really train our families to be a blessing to the kingdom and for parents and children and grandparents and aunts and uncles, all of us connected to the families that God has put us in, how can we make a difference for the cause of Christ? Well, the first lesson that we learn in these first few verses in Hebrews chapter 11 in verses 23, we learn that we need to train our heart to follow the Lord Jesus Christ. Training in your family begins with you. And so whether you are a family of one or a family of 101, no matter what size your family, no matter how big your influence is, all of this training for both now and in the future all starts with you. And I want you to notice in verse 23 how we see in the lives of of Moses' parents, and in particular his mother, the influence that she had upon the family and her heart. Notice in verse 23, the Bible says that by faith Moses, when he was born, was hidden for three months by his parents. You see, there was a decree from Pharaoh back in Exodus chapter 1 and 2 that the Hebrew people who had been enslaved there for a few generations now had become mighty in number and in strength and in power. And Pharaoh was a bit afraid. He looked at these people of God and he thought that they one day would overtake his nation. And so Pharaoh said, any Hebrew child that is born, if it is a girl, she can live. If it is a boy, he is to be killed. Well, Moses' parents... The Bible says that they heard this and they knew what Pharaoh's intentions were and so they decided when he was born that they would hide him for three months. Now I know that just about every parent really looks at their child and really wants God's best for their child and, and you really want your child to, to grow and to prosper and to be healthy and just do lots of wonderful things. Well here were the parents of Moses and they were afraid that if Moses cried a little too loud or if he wiggled a little too much or if somebody heard him that they would lose their child and Moses would be killed you know what we need in families and talking about 
training our heart is we need families that are not afraid of consequences. We need people that are dedicated to the cause of Christ. Even when families do something that other people think is weird, even if it's something that's outside the norm, even if it's something that costs you more than what you really thought that it would cost, it's always worth it to do those bizarre things in keeping with glorifying God rather than just being caught up in what is expected of you. Parents, too many of us want to keep up with those around us. Too many of us are interested in or concerned with those things that go on around us rather than what God wants to do within us. If your relationship with God is all that it should be, it's going to lead you to do things that are a little unusual and maybe even a little risky like in the life of Moses. But I want to ask you today when you begin to think about your own heart, is your commitment to Christ exactly what it should be so that if God burdens your heart to do something as a family, you wouldn't think twice about doing it? Can you imagine the danger that Moses' parents were in for those three months? Now you think about the sleepless nights that they had with a one-month-old and a two-month-old on top of realizing that if Pharaoh found out what they were doing, that not just Moses would be killed, but all of them would be. But yet they were committed because they knew that they were being called to do something unusual and were afraid to take that risk. You notice what else it says in verse 23? That by faith Moses, when he was born, was hidden for three months by his parents. Why, the Bible says, because they saw that the child was beautiful. <laughs> I've never met a parent show you a picture of their kid and say, look at my ugly child that I just had. No, they don't do that. In fact, I've never met a grandparent that will tell you that their grandkid is ugly. They think that their grandkid is the most beautiful thing that has ever... Some of y'all are smiling like, yeah, I know exactly what you're saying because I have the cutest grandkids on the planet. Sure you do. I happen to think my parents have the cutest grandkids on the planet, but whatever, we won't argue about that on Mother's Day. But they looked at their child and they said, now this kid's cute. This kid is really something, but it's more than just the physical beauty. In fact, when they looked at Moses, they saw something beyond the exterior. When they looked in the young child's eyes, they saw that God had something planned. In fact, the word beautiful really means more than just that he was something special to look at. It means that he was not an ordinary child. That there was something that God had planned and the second that they saw him, God's spirit just resonated with them that this child was meant for more than to just be another Hebrew boy. You see, parents, when you look at your children, you ought to see them the way that God sees them. So, so many times parents will put expectations on their children and there's nothing wrong with having goals and there's nothing wrong with having expectations for them in school and for them in their success or in relationships. And we ought to, to continually push and challenge our children to constantly reach for the next goal ahead of them. But when you look at your child, you ought to look beyond all of those things, look into their eyes and see them the way that God sees them. In fact, the Bible tells us in Psalm 139, verses 13 and then in verse 16, you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. 
And when I was woven together all in the depths of the earth, your eyes saw my unformed body. All the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. Jeremiah chapter 1, verse 5. Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I set you apart, and I appointed you as a prophet to the nations. You see, Jeremiah even recognized, and and he knew that God had something for him. The psalmist knew that God was the one that knit them together, that even though a child in your family may have been a surprise to you and may have been unplanned by you, it is never a surprise to God to bring life into the world. That is why Christians across the globe are unapologetically pro-life. Because we know that the moment of conception means that God has begun weaving that person's body together because he has a plan and a purpose long-term for that person. Parents, I'm telling you, when you look in the eyes of your child, yes, you see that physical beauty, but look beyond and see that spiritual beauty. Begin praying, God, what do you want to do with my child? How can I invest in them to give them the best opportunity to know you and to make you known? Some of you are sitting next to your children. Some of you have a row of grandchildren. Some of you can look down the pew or down the aisle and you can see people that have made an investment in you and people that you've made an investment in them. That is done as a church. Why? Not because we just like each other, not because we all belong to the same organization, but because we're a family. Listen, some of you have children right now up in the nursery that are being prayed with, that are being read Bible stories to, and they're learning Bible songs. Why? Because as a family, we invest back in one another. Are all those children in the nursery the cutest kids on the planet? If they're yours, you know that they are. But we invest in them because we believe in what God wants to do in their life. And you parents need to continue investing in your family because you know that God has something planned when we fertilize and when we seed and when we care for all of those gospel moments, we know that God is going to do something with it. The Bible also says in verse 23, that they saw that the child was beautiful and they were not afraid of the king's edict. You know, so many times as parents, we get afraid of all the wrong things. And I'm afraid that now younger parents with social media are even more afraid than my parents were when I was growing up. I mean, you see all of these things on social media. You see all these things on Facebook and Instagram. You see all these parents with their perfect lives and with their well-decorated homes and with the perfect lunchbox they send the child off to school and all the little fancy notes that they put. And you you feel like, well, I'm a terrible parent because I didn't send my kid to school with an avocado today. You know, whatever. You just think, you... (laughs) For the sake of all children everywhere, please don't do that. The worst thing, put them an apple in there, but not an avocado. But you know, we think, well, we've got to keep up. We've got to do all these certain things, and we feel this pressure. And you say, well, Pastor, how is that in keeping with the king's edict? Listen, so many times we feel as though something that comes down from somewhere is a a greater call on our life than what we know God wants. In other words, if it's something that everybody's doing, 
If it's something that we just put this internal pressure and all of a sudden we feel as though we've got to keep up or we've got to match what other families are doing, that we worry more about that than we do about what God thinks. I'm going to tell you, all of the worry, all of the anxiety, all of the fear of what other people think about you and your family is not worth it. At the end of the day, all that matters is what God thinks. All that matters is, is your family in line with the will and the Word of God. And like I said, going back to Moses' parents when he was born, sometimes being a parent and being connected to a family will cause you to do some weird things. And sometimes you have to step out of your comfort zone and it might cause you to be a little afraid. In fact, there was a couple who was teaching a Sunday school class of three-year-olds and they were teaching them the Bible verse, Psalm 56.3, When I am afraid, I will trust in you. And in their three-year-old Sunday school class was their own three-year-old son named Mark. And they had been drilling this Bible verse into the three-year-old's heads and they could repeat it just instantly. What is Psalm 56.3? When I am afraid, I will trust in you. And boy, they were just spitting it right out. One night at home, a bad storm came through and the lights went off. And the whole family got together in the middle of the house. And little Mark said, I am not afraid. Well, the parents just started beaming because, you know, they just knew the Bible verse was just going to come right out. They had been drilling it into their three-year-old. And they looked at Mark and they said, Mark, why aren't you afraid? He said, because I got my flashlight. parents keep telling them keep investing in them keep reminding them what the bible says keep praying with them and even if it doesn't happen in your lifetime know that because you have given your life to christ and because you are trusting and training your heart to follow christ one day all of that investment will pay off it may not when they're three it may not when they're 13. It may not when they're 23 or when they are 53. But one day, that training and that investment that you've made, and the Bible tells us that God's Word will not return void. That it will accomplish the purpose that it has. You keep praying and you keep trusting and you keep telling and you keep training and you keep teaching and do all that God has called you to do for the sake of your families. And moms, don't give up. There are so many great testimonies here today because of what you've done for the family. So we train our heart to follow Christ because the second lesson is we train their heart to follow Christ. You see that in the rest of this passage that I read for you. Not only do we train our heart to be a follower of Christ, but it pays off in the investment and I'm going to show you how in the life of Moses. Notice in verse 24, the Bible says that by faith when he was grown up, he refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. Now Moses at three months old was put into a little raft and he floated down the Nile River because his parents could not care for him beyond three months old. He was starting to squirm and cry and wiggle around too much and so Moses' mother put him on this little raft in the Nile River. And by God's grace, he floated down to Pharaoh's daughter's 
house. She picked him up, said, look at this beautiful child. And Moses' mother was like, I know. And she picked the child up and she said, I, I want to raise this kid. Moses' sister, Miriam, saw this happening and rushed right over to Pharaoh's daughter and said, I know the perfect Hebrew mother who could nurse that child and help you to care for him until he gets grown and he can be your son. Miriam went and got Moses' mother and said, come on, mom, we're going to work this plan out. So Miriam went and found Moses' mother, and Moses' mother not only got to nurse him, but got to raise him to be a Hebrew child in the house of Pharaoh. Isn't that a great plan that God had? They didn't know how it was all going to work out, but they were trusting by faith. Now what happened in the life of Moses as a result of that investment? Well, look again at verse 24. By faith, Moses, when he was grown up, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. He trusted in God. He wanted to be identified as a Hebrew. He wanted to walk in the ways of God and not in the way of Pharaoh. Now, this is not just any Egyptian home. This is the Egyptian house. They have all the big screen TVs, all the play box and uh, Xboxes and Playstations. They got all of the fancy furniture they have everything they could possibly want all the candy all the ice cream everything they could possibly imagine you know parents does your child ever come home and say i wish our house was like their house they have so much fun over there they have so much stuff i wish you would treat me the way that their parents treat them that's baloney they are playing you but even if they're being serious what you do in your house is between you and the Lord. And if you raise your children and train them to have a heart for the things of God, even growing up in a house with all of the extra stuff that Moses could possibly want, he wanted to be a Hebrew. He wanted to be a child of God. He didn't want to be a son of Pharaoh. He didn't want to be the grandson of the most powerful person in the known world he rathered and preferred to be one of the children of God he wanted to be a slave rather than a king and friend when you hear the words of Jesus when he says that the first will be last and the last will be first when you hear the words of Jesus when he says if you were to come after me deny yourself take up your cross and follow me this is a pattern and an example of Christ's likeness in the life of Moses. When I was in sixth grade through eighth grade, all through my middle school years, I had the same Sunday school teacher, and his name is Paul Roberts. Paul did not have any children, married later in life, but he knew everything about being a parent. And he knew he had all the answers. He would come into our Sunday school class and just barrage after barrage, just one lesson after another, you know, don't do drugs, don't listen to rock and roll, don't give in to this, don't do that temptation, you know, don't listen to this. And his favorite question is, well, what do you think? I hated that. I hated being asked that. I, you know, you got all the answers, don't ask me, you tell me. It was a very frustrating time for Sunday school. But I want to tell you, looking back in my life, 
of all of the people in, my, in the churches that I've been a part of and the people that taught me, I don't know that I could remember anything that I was taught by any of them except Paul Roberts. Because he got right in my face, he told me what I needed to hear, he challenged what my young mind was believing, and he always brought us back to the Bible. Parents, I'm going to tell you something. You may not have it all. You may not have all the answers. You may not have all the coolest games, all of the most fun snacks. You may not have the biggest swimming pool on the planet. And you may not have all of the things that the neighbors down the street have. But if you have Jesus, and if you're locked into the Word of God, I'm telling you, God is going to honor the investment that you pour back into your children. You can buy them cars and clothes and food and toys, but you cannot buy them a personal relationship with God, but you can train them to be raised in the fear and the admonition of the Lord. That's what happened in the life of Moses. In fact, look on down in verse 25. The Bible says he chose rather to be mistreated with the people of God than to enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin. In fact, just as we heard from Psalm, the Bible says in Psalm 22, verse 10, from birth I was cast upon you from my mother's womb. You have been my God. I love hearing the stories of children that are literally raised in church. Kids that have a drug problem. They were drugged to church whether they wanted to go or not. Kids that were involved in Sunday school. Kids that came to worship. Kids that went to vacation Bible school. Parents, I'm going to tell you, you're not doing your kids any favors by letting them choose what they do and what they don't do when it comes to being connected to a church. You continue investing in them, even if they're resistant at home, even if they're resistant in coming to church, even if they tell you they don't want you to pray for them or they don't want to hear the Bible, they don't want to do a devotion. You be faithful to pray. You be faithful to invest in them. And I'm telling you, it will pay off. We see that in Scripture. We see it in the life of Moses. He chose to be mistreated with the people of God than to enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin. And in fact, in verse 26, the Bible says, He considered the reproach of Christ greater wealth than the treasures of Egypt, for He was looking to the reward. So many times, we tell our children, if you'll behave, I'll get you this. If you do well in school, I'll buy you that. If you'll just sit through Pastor Randy's sermon again, I know it's tough, but I'll give you this candy. If you'll just endure our family devotion time, I, I promise you, you can watch 30 minutes of TV after we're done. And we promise our kids all these things. And sometimes in the moment it works, sometimes it doesn't. But you know what happened in the life of Moses? The daily investment of Christ... So, Pastor Andy, we're talking about uh, Exodus chapter 2. Jesus didn't show up for a long, long time. But not according to the Bible and certainly not according to Moses' parents. The investment of looking toward the redemption that would come from Jesus. Looking toward the eternal reward. Looking toward not giving you the here and now. Not giving you the best you can put your hands on but giving you the best that heaven has to give. 
And his name is Jesus. And Moses' parents, particularly his mother, gave him the promise of life in Christ, and he continued looking toward that reward. You think she saw it? You think in her lifetime she got to see everything come to pass that Moses came to do in his life? You know, some Jewish scholars and Jewish tradition says, now ladies, hold on to yourself now, that Moses' mother was 137 when she gave birth to Moses. That's according to Jewish tradition. Wow. Moses' mama ain't gotten, I mean, Michelle Duggar doesn't have anything on Moses' mama. But she was advanced in years. We'll just put it that way. Moses got out of Pharaoh's house around age 40, killed another Egyptian for beating a Hebrew, went on the other side of a mountain, and the Bible says at age 80, Moses was called by the burning bush. So by the end of chapter 2 to Exodus chapter 3, a good bit of time starts to pass. Moses at age 80 went before Pharaoh for the very first time with Aaron, his brother, at age 83. And the children of Israel wandered around the desert for 40 years. Moses was 140 when all of God's plan came together to use him to get God's people into the promised land. Do you think Moses' mama, hey, you know, she told the folks at the First Baptist Church in, in, in Cairo and she said, Y'all know I'm joking when I say that kind of stuff. Okay. If somebody said, I didn't know there was a First Baptist Church in Cairo. Pastor told us something. I wonder if Moses' mama showed showed her friends a picture and said, look, Moses just made another lap around the desert this year. He is on year 38. I'm just so proud. I don't think she lived long enough to see it. And if Moses died at 120 looking over into the promised land. After all of those years, Moses' mother had been dead and buried for quite some time before her baby boy got to accomplish all of God's will for his life. Mom, you may not live to see it. Dad, it may not happen in your lifetime. All of what you hope and dream and pray and give over to God may never happen as long as you're alive. But you keep praying. You keep trusting. You keep investing and you keep reminding that child and those grandchildren and those great-grandchildren about who Jesus is. And I'm telling you, God will put their focus on the hereafter and not in the here and now. A couple of years ago, there was a three-year-old little boy who spent two nights in the woods by himself. He got separated from his parents. Search party couldn't find him, even though he was only a half mile from his house. He had on a shirt and a pull-up and two shoes when he went missing. A man was walking through the woods the morning that he found this little boy, and all the boy had on was his shirt and one shoe, no pull-up, no other clothes, and he kind of snuck up on him, not, you know, to be weird, but didn't want to startle him, and he said, are you ready to go home, son? 
And the little boy just sprung up and he said, yeah. So he just picked him right up and carried him a half mile back to his house. He said that little boy held on to him so tight and locked his arms around his neck and was just shaking the whole way that this stranger was bringing him back home. The news asked the man, the rescuer, how did the parents react when the three-year-old was reunited with them? And He said, well, I can't tell you much other than just they were beyond excited to finally be reconnected with their son. You know what I see? When I look out into our community, when I look in a newspaper or I look at articles on the internet, I see a lot of children that are just wandering around completely disconnected from where they ought to be. I see a lot of kids who think they know what they want, they think they know where they're going, and the parents let them choose. And the kid ends up far away, away from where they're supposed to be and doing things that they ought not be doing. And parents, I'm going to tell you, it's never too late to put your arm around that child, to put your arm around that grandkid. It's never too late to make that investment of prayer. It's never too late to be a praying parent and a praying grandparent. It's never too late to start being that source of hope and comfort. You know, here's one thing that I want to tell all of you, on, particularly the moms on Mother's Day. Mom, some of you feel as though, and grandparents, some of you feel as though you missed the mark. And some of you have seen the effect of a child or a grandchild maybe not end up where you hoped and prayed that they would. But I'm going to tell you that God is always honored when you do your part. God is always honored when you do what you can. You can't make the choices for your children. You can't make the choices for your grandchildren. You can't make them come to know Christ and to give their life to Him. All you can do is what God desires for you to do to invest back in your family. And when you do that, you can say to the Lord, God, I've done what you've called me to do. Even if you feel as though you failed your family, it is never too late to start with those that you have. It is never too late to pray harder today than you did yesterday. But I come back to the same question I asked you earlier. And that is, have you trained your heart to follow Christ? Because you can't make an investment in your family unless your heart is right with Jesus. If you've never come to a moment in your life where you've turned from your sin and trusted in Jesus personally, if you've never come to that moment when you Realize that you're a sinner and that you can't give anything to your family until God first gives salvation to you. Then today is the day to accept the greatest gift that has ever been given. Not a pair of socks, not some pretty flowers, but the gift of eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. If you've never made that decision for Jesus, then make that decision today. It's the best thing you could do, not only for your life, but for your family. But if you have made that decision to follow Christ, all God's asking you to do is not to be the hero, not to be the Savior, not to be the champion, just be faithful. And when you do that, God will honor 
the rest. Would you bow with me in prayer? Our Heavenly Father, we pray that you would take the opportunities that you give to us and the families that you've placed us in, Father, to just very simply do the very best that we can. Father, we are all imperfect parents and imperfect grandparents. And we fall short of your glory. But God, you are always glorified when we are faithful to do what you called us to do. And God, for those families that are here today and those parents and grandparents and aunts and uncles that want to see their family recharged to be faithful to follow Christ, God, I pray that that recharge would begin today. And I pray, Father, that you would just re-energize our families today. And God, that you would use them to make a tremendous difference for the cause of Jesus Christ. God, we give this time over to you. And if there are any decisions that need to be made, any recommitments that need to be made, God, that you would be glorified in this time together today. We pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, this is Pastor Randy Johnson. Thank you so much for joining me for What's the Word? That show airs every Wednesday night at 6 o'clock on 101.9 WAIN right here in the heart of Adair County in Columbia, Kentucky. Or you can catch the replay of What's the Word on my podcast, which is called Walk This Way. And you can find that in several different places. You can find it at anchor.fm backslash walkthisway on the internet, or you can find it on different apps and, and places that carry podcasts like iTunes, Spotify, Pocket Cast, and all sorts of uh, places. You can find this broadcast. You can find messages that I've preached. And I just want to encourage you to make it a point to tune in, subscribe, and listen to all sorts of content that's on my podcast, which is called, again, Walk This Way. Thank you so much for joining me.